Our scripture reading will be from John 17, 20 through 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, for their, through their word that they may also all be, all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Please be seated. Let me echo the words that Tim's already said to you. We want to say welcome to everybody, especially to our guests. If you do have one of those guest packets, you probably noticed that small card inside the packet. If you would pass that to the inside aisle, it'd be picked up at this time. Now, we are doing something a little different. Um, first off, for us here, if you do not have a sermon outline, we want you to have one this morning. All you got to do is just raise your hand, keep it up high, and either Chris or Scott will get to you, and you'll have then a sermon outline. So just raise your hand high if you need a sermon outline. Furthermore, if you'd like to receive the full sermon, uh, last week's sermon was six pages, today is four pages, uh, we'll be glad to email it to you. Just send us an email to this email address. That's the one I use for my uh, students in India and the Philippines and Africa. And we'll get that to you on Tuesday. If you are a member here, you automatically get it on Tuesday. And let me share with you something exciting. Um, I'm adding another school in India uh, coming up uh, Tuesday night at 645. I will start a new school that I'm working with in India. Uh, India is 11 and a half. That's odd. They are 11 and a half hours ahead of us. Not 11, not 12. They're 11 and a half. So my 6.45 Tuesday night is their 6.15 in the morning, Wednesday morning. And they actually come together at 6 for classes, and I'm their first teacher at 6.15, so I'm looking forward to that. We are doing a brand new sermon series called Blueprint of the Church. Does it really matter? Today's lesson is, who are we? Who are we? Now, if you were asked, tell me the difference between the Church of Christ and um, just name a, a, a church, okay? Name a local church, name a church you've heard of, it doesn't matter. Tell me the difference between the Church of Christ and, just fill in the blank, what would you say if you had to answer that question? What would you say? Now that is the basis for the question that I asked all seven of my students. Because I want to know where they see us. I want to have some idea how they view us in the Church of Christ. Now folks, this is a golden opportunity for us to see how outsiders see us, okay? So I asked a question to them. What... What is the Church of Christ to you? How do you think they responded when I asked them that question? Now, as a reminder, what are we doing here? 
we are doing a, 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 a recap. We're doing a recap of the studies that I'm doing with seven very precious souls. That study, those seven studies, actually go back to a sermon I did back on January the 8th called, Does It Really Matter? Now, these seven people, they really want to know more about the church of Christ. And to me, that is exciting. And let me say right now, I know my seven are going to be watching this video sometime this week. Once again, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to them for being willing for me to share our studies with all of you. Now, please refer back to the Foundational Study Guide Lesson 1, which we did last week. Now, if you don't have a copy of that, uh, copies are back in the back, okay? You can grab a copy as you leave here this morning. Now... I also want to remind you that four of the seven have a past history with the Church of Christ. One, have, one a young man in Fort Worth, has parents who are still members of the church. He was baptized as a teenager and was a member until into his early 20s when he stopped going. The other three of the four... They have a history that's very, very brief, okay? It's a very, very, very brief history. But they do have a history with the church of Christ. Now, how do they answer the question? I want to give you this morning the six most popular answers to the question, what is the church of Christ to you? I'm also going to add one more to make it seven. I'm going to add one that I wanted to add to it. So these are going to be the six most popular answers to the question. The very first answer, the Church of Christ are those people who don't believe in music. Okay, now are you shocked? Are you surprised? No, you, you, you're really not. In fact, seven of the seven said this in some way. Okay, this is an exact quote of one of the seven. Now, actually, if we were in Eastern Europe, that would not have been an answer. Did you know that? Here, we're kind of different because of the fact we sing a cappella. If this was Eastern Europe, not so, that wouldn't be so the case. Uh, uh, a cappella music is uh, common in Orthodox churches, Eastern Orthodox churches. Also, let me add this. If we were standing before the 1800s, if we could jump back in a time ship and go back in time, that would not be the case either. Because instrumental music outside of the Catholic Church was not common in religious services, until really after 1800, for the most part. Here's the second most common answer. The Church of Christ is legalistic. Four of the seven said this. Uh, this actual quote uh, came from one of the part-time preachers. Remember, we have two of the seven who are part-time preachers. Now, in some way or another, they all, all four of them said, we are legalistic. Is that true? 
And if it's true, why is it true? We'll get to that eventually in this series. The next one. The Church of Christ preachers only believe in water salvation, okay? The Church of Christ preachers only believe in water salvation. Five of the seven said this in some way or another, okay? What are they talking about? They're talking about our emphasis on baptism, okay? We're going to get to this one eventually. Just hold on, we'll get to it eventually. Next, the Church of Christ believe they're the only ones going to heaven. As a little boy, I heard this all the time, okay? I heard this all the time. Okay, the Church of Christ, they believe they're the only ones going to heaven. You know, I've even heard jokes, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone, you know, walking real quietly in heaven because, shh, don't tell those people there. They believe they're the only ones here. You know, we've all heard those jokes. Five of the seven said this in one way or another. Next, the Church of Christ doesn't want to have anything to do with the community or other churches. Six of the seven said this. Is this true? And if it is true, why is it true? Or is it true? Once again, we'll get to this eventually. Next, the person wrote, I've, or person said, I've visited once with a friend. This comes from one of the three that has no background in the Church of Christ. I visited once with a friend. Several people sitting around me didn't seem to really want to be in church that day. The service seemed more like a funeral. There wasn't a lot of emotion. Four of the seven said this. Now, the other three, one said this. This is an exact quote. The other three really just talked about the emotions. But that is how they see us. Once again, this has given us an opportunity to see how outsiders see us. And then last, I really don't know a lot about the Church of Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you, only one of the seven said this, but I wanted to include it today because this is the one we're going to look at today. I'm going to be responding to all seven of those views eventually, but today we're looking at that comment. I really don't know a lot about the Church of Christ. And my question is, do we? Do we know who we are? Who are we? Who are we? We are people who are rock solid in our commitment to the Bible being literally, circle that word literally, God's word. Now you might think, well, everybody who says they're a Christian is going to believe that the Bible is literally God's word. If you believe that, you're wrong. Because in the religious world today, they look at the Bible and they say, well, you know, it's got a lot of good sayings in it. And it's got a lot of good principles in it. But we need to adjust because the Bible is out of step with modern man. 
recently I, I saw, uh, this was sent to me, where the Church of England is reconsidering their views on homosexuality and they're wanting to accept homosexuality in the church leadership. You see, they're looking at the Bible and saying, well, we know what the Bible says about homosexuality, but there's a, a man named Andy Stanley. I would not know him if he walked up to me. I have no idea. But I have read one of his recent sermons he preached, and he's got a church, a mega church, with thousands and thousands and thousands of people in it. And he literally said, I know what Romans 1 says about homosexuality, but here's what I'm going to teach. You see, they don't believe that the Bible is literally God's word. We believe it is. 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete. 2 Peter chapter 1, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke, how? As they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Bible is literally God's own word. Who are we? We are people who are rock solid in the belief that salvation can come only, circle that word only here on your outline, only come via Jesus. Jesus is not just a way, Jesus is the only way. John 14, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, well that's pretty inclusive there, no one comes to the Father except how? Through me. Now we realize that this only Jesus way is not politically correct. It's not. I mean, think about the Muslims. Well, think about the, the Hindus and, and, and think about the Jews and think about this and think about that. And hey, we just can't, we, we can say Jesus is a way, but we can't say he's the only way. But we believe that Jesus is the only way. Back many years ago, Prince Charles was trying to, well, he was trying to challenge his mother for the throne. One of the ways he did that is he came out and said, you know, the, the king or queen, whoever that might be, is the head of the Church of England. I don't know if you knew that, but that's how they look at it. Well, he came out and said, well, I believe I'm not just the head of one faith, I'm a head of the faith for everybody. Jews, Muslims, Hindus, he gained a lot of popularity for that. That challenged his mother a little bit. We believe that Jesus is the only way. Who are we? We are people who are rock solid in our commitment for the need for a believer to change. 
when he or she becomes a Christian. We must shape our thinking, our behavior according to the will of God. That is not the way the world looks at it. You know, many people want God. In fact, most people want God, especially if things are getting tight, if things are getting bad. But they don't want to change life that's guided only by God. Give me God, just don't give me the church. I don't want to have to attend worship. I don't want to have to give. I don't want to have to get involved. But boy, I want God. Well, that's not possible. We reject the notion of salvation without transformation. Look at Colossians chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 1. Who are we? Okay, my seven watching. Okay, okay, I've heard this already. We are people who are different. Yeah, all seven look at us and they say, you're different. Well, guess what, folks? We are different. But we're different for a reason. Being different doesn't mean that we are necessarily more zealous or more passionate about God. I want to tell you right now, let me give my seven a compliment. And this comes from my heart. I'm impressed with all seven of you. These are seven people who are very zealous, very passionate about what they believe. And guess what? Your five, if they are members of other churches, remember what your five means. Your five is also very zealous and very passionate. I'm going to go on record and say in many ways my seven is more zealous and more passionate than me. I'm working to get up to their level of zeal, zealous and being passionate. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. Being different doesn't mean that we believe we're more sincere or we're more devoted or more dedicated in our quest to obey God than others. I want to tell you right now, these seven are very involved in their faiths. They are extremely involved. In fact, one of the seven on a regular basis does about 10 to 15 hours of service work for her congregation to help out. Being different doesn't mean that we have more respect for the Bible or we have purer motives, or more Christ-like. So what does it mean? We are different. Why? Because we have a goal. It's a radical goal of restoration. That makes us different. Of the seven, only one, the young man in Fort Worth who grew up in a Church of Christ home, only one of the seven has ever heard of the restoration movement. This is something that is not taught in our history. I'm talking about our history of our nation. But we believe in the restoration movement. And that makes us different. So what is the restoration movement? Now we're going to talk a lot about that in coming weeks. 
Let me say just a few words today. Most religious people, say the seven here, most religious people are at least aware of the Reformation movement that swept over Europe that happened mostly in the 1500s. Some people call this a Protestant Reformation because during this movement, a lot of the Protestant churches were created. Think about people like Martin Luther. Now, of my seven, all seven could tell me something about the Reformation movement. They could talk a little bit about people like Martin Luther and others. Now, why was it called Reformation? Well, we're going to talk more about that in coming weeks. Let me just say this for now. It was called Reformation because they wanted to reform the Catholic Church. They looked at the Catholic Church, the word Catholic means universal, and they looked at it as their target, their goal, and they wanted to reform it. They thought the Catholic Church had got off track and they wanted to get it back on track. That's the reason why it was called the Reformation Movement. Now, while the Reformation Movement was a step in the right direction, they did not go far enough. And that's the idea behind restoration. What are we doing? We are restoring New Testament Christianity. We believe that the church was what God intended in the New Testament time period. But then, after the New Testament time period, that's when everything got off track. So we want to go back to the New Testament. In fact, what we want to do is we want to be a New Testament Christian. We don't want to be a Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or whatever. We want to be a New Testament Christian. Why the goal of restoration? Well, that concept, restoring back to what God intended, well, that's strongly endorsed by the Bible. God has always given His people direction. And there's always been the need to follow that direction. God has always demanded complete obedience. You can go back to Cain and Abel, Nahab and Abihu, all the way up to the New Testament time period. It's sad, but it's a fact that people can and will stray from God's guidance. They'll say, okay, I know the Bible says, like the man Andy Stanley, I know what the Bible says, but I want to give you my commandment. I want to do it my way. Restoration in the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra is reading from God's Word. They discover that they should be what? Living in little uh, tents. During the feast, they hadn't been doing that. So guess what they do? They restore it back to the way God intended. King David is trying to, to bring the ark to Jerusalem. He's got some problems. 
He consults, he has the men to consult God's word. They then discover how to properly move the ark from place to place. And what does it say? They did it according to the word of the Lord. They restored the proper way of doing that. In the restoration movement, we believe there's a pattern. I'm going to be using that word a lot in these lessons. There's a pattern that God has intended. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. A pattern, a pattern to follow. 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have what? Given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. A pattern. By the way, every religious group I know will at least follow this one, okay? <laughs> they won't leave out that collection plate. They may get a lot of other things wrong, but they'll get this one right. Acts 20, verse 7. Upon the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. A pattern. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere. Everywhere. A pattern. In the restoration movement, we believe this pattern, this New Testament pattern, has been lost for most of religious world today. We look out and we know that we're different. But we're different for a reason. Because we are trying to follow God's pattern. Who are we? We are people who don't believe in creating denominations. We don't believe in creating division. What was happening in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Well, some of them were saying, well, I'm going to follow Cephas. Hey, he's my favorite. He's a, hey, I love that Cephas, that Peter. He's the guy. Well, no, 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 no. I want to follow Apollos. He, hey, he's my hero. He brought the gospel to us. I want to follow Apollos. Others said, no, I want to follow Paul. Paul asked the rhetorical question, is Christ divided? Well, is he? Well, no. In the New Testament, Jesus' followers were a fellowship of local congregations united how? Solely on Jesus and his word. We have no earthly headquarters. You can't look up our headquarters here on earth. You know, I can look up, uh, you know, the headquarters of various churches. They have a website. We don't have that. Our headquarters is heaven. We have just God in heaven. Each congregation is autonomous. And that's a word we don't use in everyday English. Autonomous means we're independent. We're independent because we're only guided by God's word. Who are we? 
We are people who believe in being one in Jesus. One in Jesus. What did Jesus pray? He prayed for each one of us. I do not pray for these alone. I'm not praying just for these guys here with me in the garden. But also for those who will also believe in me through their word. That they all may be one. Folks, Jesus prayed for you. And he prayed for me. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. How is the only way we can be one? We can have a lot of opinions. We can have a lot of handmade human instructions, human commandments, but we can only be one through God's Word. There's a pattern. There's a pattern to even become a Christian. If you want to argue with these verses, you're not arguing with me. You're not arguing with Billy. You're not arguing with any elder we have here. You're arguing with Jesus himself. Because Jesus will say every word in these verses. Every word in these verses. You must believe. You must repent. You must confess. You must be baptized. As a Christian, can people see Jesus in you? Can people see the difference you make in their lives? Can people see why you love the Lord? If not, do you need to seek forgiveness? He will forgive. The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. Billy has selected a song to encourage you to make a decision this morning. Will you come forward, please, as we stand and sing for your encouragement?